here we are once again. If you're following along and able to uh, find me anymore, good question. <laughs> Where have you been, Steve? Where have you been? Yes, having troubles uh, uploading things, uh, upload delays and everything. I'm looking for a new provider already. This is getting silly. Um, I'm not sure I can entirely blame them, but at the same time, this is happening a little bit too much for my liking. Weekend already uh, would be great if work didn't bleed all over it. Feeling much better, if you can't hear. Um, why? Half Murph done, a little bit slower, but uh, I think faster on the rounds. Art of learning a language. NaNoWriMo continues. Did I ever tell you about this Biscoff spread that I got? Folks, it is Friday, November 4th, 2022. I'm Steven Sersky. Hope you guys are doing well. And uh, yeah, the, uh, the upload delays uh, have continued because uh, of my assisted connection device not working on several devices. And since I'm down one device already, the, the major one, the computer, um, it's hard to even get my phone to talk with my tablet and so they, since i or with the ipad so the ipad's on ios and the android's on uh this modified xiaomi mi we os they don't talk to each other or they have trouble talking to each other i thought i could bluetooth things between them not possible bluetooth is impossible through ipad as far as i can tell so trying to uh shuffle files back and forth was a little bit uh, uh, troublesome. Luckily, I do have a USB key, uh, key drive that I can use that, surprisingly, uh, the iPad actually recognizes. Um, it's it's formatted with the XFAT, so uh, XFAT sort of the uh, file format that uh, can be read between Mac and Android and PC. Like all, it's the most widely read, uh, able to be read file system. If you use the the if you use the Apple proprietary system, the APFS or whatever it is, uh, PCs can read it, but they can't write to it. Likewise, if you use the FAT32, um, like FAT32, which is what PCs use um, typically, uh, or NTFS, uh, the Mac will be able to read it, but won't be able to write to it. Uh, so it's uh, a little bit difficult to sometimes... Uh, Make sure you got all your systems going. Uh, I have been thinking. I usually my I format my my drives to the XFAT, so EXFATs, and that is the most readable across all systems. Uh, but I've been told that this is a very flaky system, uh, very flaky uh, uh, file system because, and I've noticed it is a bit flaky because if you ever accidentally unplug it from the computer, and it's, you know that you know you you didn't safely eject your hard drive before. Um, unplugging it or whatever, something like that. Um, it takes a while for the bigger drives to reconnect. It's not so much. Uh, it's not so bad for the smaller drives, uh, but the like the eight terabytes, ten terabyte drives, they take a while for the the system to uh, uh, find again. So just in case. That being said, with uh, double eleven on the uh, going on right now, I am looking to pick up a few a. Uh, well, at least another one hard drive or something like that that I can format exclusively to the uh, Apple file format system. And then that one, also one of the key differences between uh, PC file storage formats and Apple is that 
the PC one does not support files that are larger than four gigabytes, whereas uh, the Mac OS apparently does, or sorry, not Mac OS, the APFS uh, system does. XFAT does not support four gigabytes. Now, the Android on my phone does support more than four gigabyte file storage, which I found out the hard way when I recorded a 25 minute video some time ago. I remember talking about this, that I can't, I can't move it off my cell phone because I have nowhere to move it to. Uh, and I guess I could compress it and I just delete it, but uh, I'm a stickler for keeping the originals and that's why I kind of like having backups of backups sort of thing. But at the same time, it's like, wow. <laughs> I guess uh, I have been told that um, if you're going to be working with uh, like Macs and Apple and stuff like that, it's probably just to get uh, to format it the way that the Mac OS uh, system is formatted, and then that way you have the least amount of incompatibility between uh, your uh, your workflow. All that being said, it's uh, the weekend already. I would celebrate, but um, honestly, I have a job that just kind of goes on. So it's, I kind of have a choice to work on the weekends, and they, they ask us to, actually. Um, we're not supposed to work seven days in, in a row. We're only supposed to work six days in a row. Um, and they haven't gotten around that sort of rule just yet. Uh, but, uh, I mean, rules change. They're flexible. Eh, you know, they say they're not, but, uh, they seem to be pretty flexible. Uh, that being the case, um, I do work tomorrow. <laughs> I nor actually I don't know why I uh, ticked availability uh, said that I could work on the weekends because my Delta exam is in one month and I seem to be getting a lot more uh, work these days that than I sort of expected to um, and I do need to focus on this Delta stuff now on the flip side um, I think it's week nine week ten so Delta is already at they've released. I can't remember to tell you the truth. They released week nine and uh, unit nine and unit ten. And unit ten is a uh, full mock exam, I think. So it's like uh, uh, basically we're nearing the end of the course, but I don't recall doing much of the uh, the homework. And it's just because I've been so busy and doing the reading and stuff like that. Last week I reviewed some things. Uh, I've also been um, like I've been picking away at it, but I have not spent the dedicated time uh, enough. That I would feel comfortable even writing the exam, and with an out with a month left, I mean, I'm having flashbacks to my HSK five test. I'm going, this, this is not good. I mean, you gotta you gotta do this. I mean, you gotta start reading and getting that terminology in in line. Luckily, um, like the importance is not so much finishing the course. The importance is understanding, learning, and applying the knowledge. So that that's where uh, it's sort of most important to do regardless of whether or not you tune turn in the, any of the homework assignments it's just more important that you're able to work on the areas that you're weak in which for me is going to be grammar analysis and phonology and then being able to work within the time limits of the exam which i mean it's an hour and a half it's 90 minutes per paper for three hours total plus a half hour break in between i think it is so um and i do have to start looking at those the plan of attack I have for that is to finish going through all the uh, the chapters in the course. Uh, I'm going to keep on reading uh, some of the uh, the books that they recommend to read, and then I have a like eight or nine years worth of exams and feedback from those exams uh, that uh, I've been told from more than one source that if you just 
go through those former, um, those previous tests, you'll understand what is expected of you, which makes uh, focusing your studies a little bit easier. All right, uh, feeling much better. Uh, not sure if you can hear it, but uh, yeah, I'm not as uh, stuffed up as I was yesterday. I'm not sure. Day colds, head colds. I mean, I guess I was kind of sneezy on the other day as well, but um, I didn't have any garlic today. I didn't have to, uh, but uh, it's, it's just weird that this sort of happens. This one day head cold and then it's gone. It, it bothers me. I mean, is this allergies or, or what is this? I mean, uh, very, very odd that this would happen in, uh, so quickly, I'll tell you. I mean, am I, am I getting, do I recover quicker because I'm, you know, I, I try to take care of myself. I did sleep well, which is good. I mean, I think that's very, very important that if you, if you do want to get better, it's a lot of fluids and then make your, make sure you sleep. And then that way, uh, your body has that uh, ability or that, uh, the time it needs to repair itself. Half Murph done today. I did not want to get up to die in truth. I, I've now set my, um, uh, clock to 625. I think that's just a good time to, uh, wake up. I used to have it going off at 550 AM, but then I just pressed the snooze button a couple times and I wouldn't get out of bed until like 6.40 anyway. So I'm like, you know what? Just get up at 6.25. That way, it's like, at 6.25, I feel the need to get up already. So it's, uh, that was part and parcel of why I didn't really want to get up and go. But um, good enough time to wake up. Today, I changed up, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, I changed up the approach I had to this uh, challenge today. So... Typically what I would do, or up until now, I had been running two miles and then stopping my, my watch, restarting it, and then going for the, the, the one mile, like actually starting the uh, uh, the Murph sort of challenge itself. Um, now, the I did I combined them all today. So that's what I did. Is I, I, I combined the two-mile warm-up with the one-mile run uh, for a total of 30 minutes. I won't go through all these numbers, uh, but... Uh, I did one mile before and after, and I think the rounds, I mean, it only took me 22 minutes to do 55 pull-ups, 110 push-ups, and 165 air squats. I think that went faster uh, than before, so that's good. Um, I was thinking, like, how else could I change this? Because actually, again, today I did the, the running outside, then I ran or crawled back up the stairs to my apartment, uh, and uh, then I did the rounds, so the pull-ups, push-ups, and squats, and then I went down the stairs again and uh, did the last mile. Now, you might ask, well, why don't you just take the elevator? I'm going, there's two reasons. Number one, even with two elevators, the thing seems to always skip the floor. It just doesn't, doesn't come on demand. It, it, it takes a while. Number two, it could be full of people, uh, and I'm not wearing a mask, so they all got, they, and I'm sweaty and heaving and everything, so they're all kind of like wandering to... What what virus does this foreigner have, right? So I I don't want to be causing any undue concern. Instead, I'd rather be that guy clomping through the stairwell. <laughs> the, people are like, what's who's in the stairwell at this time of day, <laughs> right? Uh, so uh, it's just one of those things. That it, it's just easier. I can control the stairwell, uh, the pace through the stairwell better than I can control the pace through the elevator, right? So uh, glad I did it though. Did get the uh, second workout. Uh, done this afternoon as well. And again, uh, tr citing this triphasic training that I was uh, talking about earlier in this week, wherein um, you know you're so, you sort of shift your workout so the heaviest workout is on Friday. So you have the weekend for your body to repair itself. So on Monday, you're able to 
uh, you're stronger, like your body is stronger and able to endure a lot more. That being the case, Monday is going to be a moderately intense, a moderately heavy workout. I was thinking, actually, one change I might do to my Monday workouts. Right now, I do I do two miles, a two-mile run. I do 10 minutes of skipping, uh, like with double unders and uh, what I call like sprint skips, basically. is like I just kind of go as fast as I can. And this replaces the need to do running sprints because I hate running sprints. And there's a lot of people around, so it's a little bit troublesome to do it sometimes. Um, but then also on Mondays, I have the steel club and the, the, the steel mace. What I was thinking about doing, because it's kind of got a little bit almost too easy, I think, to do some of this workout, and I'm not getting as much of an effective workout from these uh, these clubs and these maces. But I might also not be doing it entirely accurately or entirely correctly. On Monday, I have the 6-kilo steel mace, 12 pounds, 13 pounds, whatever, 15 I think the goal, if I don't do skipping and then mace swings, then I'm going to do the skipping first and then do 300 of the steel steel mace swings. The idea being that that's all I would do on Monday. Uh, and I could do you know, 150 one way, 150 the other way, so left and then right sort of thing. Um, and if you've ever seen how a steel mace is swung, it's basically, I mean, you... you, you it's like uh, if you have a, a ball and you you sort of rotate your arms around your head in a circular motion. It's called the around, around the world. It's the same function, but with a steel mace, of course, it's a little bit different. I mean, you're, you're swinging this ball on the end of a stick. So the, given the off-centeredness of the weight distribution, uh, the off-center, you know, the off-kilter distribution of the weight, um, it uh, gives your body a little bit more of a a workout in the transverse plane, your your abs and your back and stuff like that. But I mean, you'll feel it all over the place. Now, I've never I've out, I've approached this thing mostly as, you know, a set by set basis. You know, doing eight to ten reps each. But with the six kilo steel mace, it's not enough weight to really generate any sort of um, any force with that. I mean, even if I did this for thirty minutes, breaking it up into eight ten reps. It's not it's not feeling like it's doing very much. So Monday, I think I'm going to change it up and try to uh, do 300 steel mace swings. We'll see. Uh, why did I get that number? There's this guy on Instagram I follow, and he's like, do 300. I'm like, okay, we'll do 300. That's a good number to, to aim for. It's a lot. Um, and, you know, six kilos feels very easy. Uh, it seems like it should be easy, but times 300 might not be so easy uh compare you know combined with the fact that i just did a two mile run and you know we'll do 10 minutes of skipping as well uh art of learning a language so nanorimo continues i'm not sure if any of you folks are uh joining in on this in that um i am writing this so nanorimo is this you know novel writing competition that um or challenge i should say that happens every november for uh throughout um, the 30 days, November does have 30 days and every day you're supposed to sit down and do a bunch of writing that will finish your, your novel basically. So I, I haven't really done a fiction novel last year. I did short stories and I never did get around to revising them. So don't ask me where they are. Well, I know where they are. Uh, they are, um, well, currently at the Apple store to tell you the truth, <laughs> at least one copy of it is, uh, the other, uh, copy is on a hard drive. I might, um, 
I, I do need to sit down and revise them at some point, but I'd much rather produce more that is publishable right away rather than sitting down and rethinking what I've already sort of written sort of thing, even though I know that uh, revising and redrafting and stuff like that is uh, all part and parcel of the uh, the process. Um, this year I have chosen to emulate, to use Sun Tzu's Art of War as a model to write, I guess what you'd consider a guidebook on how to learn a language, how to learn a foreign language. And some of you might be wondering, like, Steve, what are, what are your qualifications to sort of even write something about this? And I go, that's a very good point, because I'm when people ask me, like, how many languages do you know? And I go, well, I'm fluent in English. That's it. It's the only language that I actually can communicate in any sort of extensive manner. Uh, and it pays me quite a, uh, quite a bit, to tell you the truth. Mandarin Chinese, I can get by. I, I, I'm Since I'm an HSK 5 student, um, it seems like I should know more. I would say that there are times when I impress myself, but most times I depress myself with my success and accuracy in Mandarin Chinese. Growing up in Canada, I mean, French and Ukrainian uh, were part of my childhood. But, I mean, if someone was asking... It, only in desperation could I pass through uh, French and Ukrainian. I'm familiar with them, uh, which is one reason why I um, was studying another Eastern Slavic language earlier and continue to pick away at it because I think it's still sort of uh, uh, important to understand what they're saying just so they don't think uh, they can get away with saying whatever they want. Uh, but at the same time, I have not been committing as much time to that language. Um and then, of course, in university, I studied the arts. So it was all ancient history with Latin, ancient Greek. But that was but what they call the grammar translation method of studies. And if you're not familiar with how languages are taught, one of the um, more renowned and famous methods, and probably the one that you're most familiar with, uh, given that this didn't change until the last 10 years, basically. Uh, ESL, like teaching English, changed this probably in the in the 90s early 2000s like when it became mainstream but probably not until duolingo came out did language learning change substantially and i even I, I, rosetta stone you could argue changed it quite a bit because that was a famous name but i think duolingo made it so much easier for everybody uh, at any time at anywhere to uh, access language learning so what am I talking about? Grammar translation is this form of learning a language wherein you have a passage, like a, it's like a Latin text or an ancient Greek text or a Ukrainian or French, and you have to translate it. And whatever you don't know, you look it up, basically, which is usually everything. Um, now, the, the text, they don't just give you the original text. They give you modified texts depending on your level. So if you're a beginner, an intermediate, or advanced, right, that will sort of depend on what sort of grammatical structures are present in that paragraph, uh, what sort of vocabulary is used. This is called a graded text. So it's graded towards different grades. It's made appropriate for different grades, different levels of uh, language learners. Now that's the format that most people followed up until late 90s or sometime in the 90s when the communicative approach uh, became a bit more of the norm. And the communicative is what we use a lot in the ESL industry, wherein you kind of have these, what you almost see as conversational classes, a lot of speaking classes, it's a lot of productive, 
skills. So the productive skill would be your uh, your writing and your speaking, uh, whereas receptive skills are reading and listening. So this communicative process is much different than the grammar translation. Grammar translation is your reading and writing, basically. Very little speaking, very little listening. But the communicative is basically all about making students, language learners, able to communicate in that language. And since English is so, so worldwide, so global, a lingua franca, as some people would say, um, it is taught in this manner of being able to be communicative. So communicating your needs um, or what you, yeah, basically your needs and what, what uh, what's going on, basically. So what qualifies me to write this book about learning a language? I mean, I've gone through a few different methods of learning languages. I'm currently working on this diploma of English language teaching. And yeah, I think it has given me a little bit more confidence in uh, not just, you know, the fact that I am pursuing this, uh, this diploma, but that the stuff I'm reading, I'm going, this kind of makes sense, and I've utilized some of these, I've used some of these techniques, or I've been the subject of some of these techniques throughout my language learning career. But then the question still comes down to, well, Stephen, how many languages do you know? You only know English, and you're studying Mandarin Chinese, which you admit you're not very good at. Good point. <laughs> how about this? I can tell you how not to learn a language. Is it is that is, is that a good book to read? How not to learn a language, how you should not go about learning a language. Maybe I'll just retitle it to that. Anyway, so I'm using this uh, Sun Tzu's Art of War as a basis, as a model to create this book that I'm tentatively calling the Art of Learning a Language. I'm four chapters in, uh, so I've been pretty consistent already. I mean, it's pretty easy given that I have this model. I'm reading the book and I'm sort of just translating it into ESL specific or English or language learning. Um, you know, uh, ability sort of thing uh, or context. And uh, all that means is that uh, it, it requires a little bit of thinking about how to translate when Sun Tzu is talking about killing the enemy. <laughs> Who is the enemy? I mentioned this before. Usually it's procrastination, it's your doubt. Uh, it's, it, you yourself are your own worst enemy when it comes to uh, learning a language. And I was thinking, since Sun Tzu's Art of War is pretty short. It's only 13 chapters, like 60 pages total. Um, and I'm up at 3,600 words already, uh, which is great. But uh, I might do part one, part two, being that part one is the, the art of war or the art of learning language. And then part two would be some of the other stuff that I've learned along the line, along the way, like the more practical uh, things, like skills and tactics and strategies that you could use to actually learn a language some of the ones that have worked and some of the things that haven't worked over time and then how to best set yourself up to learn a language. This would be aimed at the general language language uh, learner, those who either just want to buy another book to feel better about learning a language or those who are looking for a little bit more inspiration, a little bit more information on how best to approach their language learning uh, study sessions, their language learning in general, and then also how to uh, make the best use of their time and making it easy for themselves. So that's that's sort of what I'm uh, going on for that. Last little thing here uh, before we leave for the weekend. Did I ever tell you about this Biscoff spread? 
Well, I don't know when they got this in, but April Gourmet, Lu Yezi, Greenleaf, uh, this international supermarket down the street, uh, you've probably heard of Nutella. So that's your, your chocolate spread from the Ferrero Rocher's, that hazelnut spread. Fantastic stuff. Uh, you've heard of Vegemite, which is very different spectrum. That's more salty than it is. It's salty rather than sweet. Uh, peanut butter, of course. Uh, you've probably all, you know, then there's your, your fruit jams and stuff like that. There's another one. Oh, there was an Ovaltine spread as well. That was, I'm like, I don't really need to try that because I didn't grow up with Ovaltine. That wasn't in my family. Um, but this one, I recall being, I've had these biscuits before, these cookies before. Biscoff? coffee cookie. So Biscoff, it's a Belgian cookie that's usually served with coffees, uh, typically in some restaurants and sometimes, I think mostly in Europe to tell you the truth, that's where it's originated and got its name. Biscoff, biscuit, coffee, Biscoff, as it says on the package. I didn't look that up. It was on the package. Anyway, these are like little brown biscuits, like brown sugar or cinnamon, uh, cinnamon and brown sugar uh, biscuits. Fantastic. High in fat. Lots of calories. Carbohydrates. Not, I mean, you're not supposed to eat the whole bag or even half of it, but uh, sometimes they matter. They're so small, you're kind of like, I didn't, I didn't eat all that, did I? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Well, now, they put it into a jar. They made it into a spread. And I found this thing. I was like, what is this gold that I stumbled across? And they have two types. Crunchy and smooth. Well, I've tried them both in the last week. <laughs> yes, I did gain weight. I gained like two, uh, two kilos, a kilo and a half or something like that. I'm like, oh boy, Stevie, you gotta slow down on that stuff because it was good. Like it, it, it's supposed to be a a bread spread, like something like peanut butter. You put it on your your bread, you know, just to up the carbohydrate count. I mean, whatever. I mean, these these words and these calories sometimes, you know, do most people care? It's not going to kill you right away, just, you know, with moderation, no problem. So, yeah, the first two jars went by pretty quickly, I'm not going to lie. Uh, high in fat, very high. It's like 2 grams of protein and 35 grams of fat uh, per 100 gram serving. And it's like a 250 gram bottle or a jar. It's surprising how fast that can go away when you're not really paying attention to how many spoonfuls you're having. I've started to... Um, I've moderated quite a bit since then, and I've now uh, I spread it onto uh, onto a piece of bread on toast, and then I cut up a banana. I put that on top, and I go, okay. So at least I got the the uh, rye bread um, or the yeah, the dark bread and the banana, and then I have some of this you know cookie spread in between. <laughs> uh, well, it, yeah, it's good if you if you get a chance to try it out. I mean, it's expensive. I know it's like forty three quai, eight dollars for the jar, uh, but um, uh, well worth it. Well worth the try. All right, folks. Enough of the Biscoff. Enough of uh, this. Uh, thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Show notes and tracks up on my website, stevenstrusky.com. And as always, you can stream this through Spotify, Apple, and Google. Hope you guys are doing well. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the weather. Uh, jacket up because it is getting cold outside. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again. Bye-bye.